Good morning and welcome to today on this uh, 28th day of February, the last Sunday in the month, but the second Sunday uh, in the season of Lent. And so thank you for joining us, whether uh, you are watching this live today or joining us at a later time uh, today or during the week. Uh, we're grateful for your presence uh, here uh, with us uh, and grateful for the presence of the very uh, power of the Holy Spirit uh, and the word of God in our lives as his people. So whether we're scattered or whether we're together, uh, he continues uh, to uh, grow up his church uh, and form and shape us into the people he's calling us to be. A couple of announcements, though, before we begin this morning's worship and an encouragement to you to make sure that if you're not already signed up for that weekly email, which goes out every Thursday, that uh, you take advantage of the time today to do that. Uh, you can sign up by going to our website um, and filling out the form. That will also... Um, 
uh, give you the opportunity to sign up to receive our daily prayers uh, during our 40 days of Lenten prayer. And uh, uh, if you're, uh, you can join us via that or uh, certainly on Facebook where we attempt to keep the congregation updated uh, as to what's going on in the life of the church. But a couple other announcements uh, before uh, we get started this morning. And uh, just want to um, uh, remind you uh, that uh, next week is a $5 Sunday. That's an opportunity uh, for us to donate $5 per person for missions. Uh, we give thanks for the uh, great gifts that you all have given over the years and continue to support uh, the work of the church. Uh, as uh, Again, as I said earlier, he grows up the church, and uh, we go out into the world uh, to tell others about Jesus. It's also, since it is the first Sunday of the month of March, that is March Seventh uh, on March 6th, that Saturday, we have an additional food drive opportunity uh, for those of you who want to volunteer to help distribute food to uh, people in our community. We're going to give out again this year about 300 uh, boxes of food. So if you're available and would like to do that, uh, just show up to church here on Saturday the 6th at 9.45 uh, uh, and uh, you'll be put to work for about an hour, 90 minutes or so and uh, do some good in the life of the community around us. Also, don't forget that year-end statements went out this week. Uh, please uh, check your year-end statement, and if it's not correct, uh, make sure that you let the office know uh, via email uh, for documentation purposes, uh, and you can email Cami at admin uh, at hcdallas.org. All right. Well, again, uh, thank you for joining us uh, for worship today, um, and I'm going to ask uh, maybe if Mark uh, right there, would you bring me a worship uh, folder uh, if you don't mind, because I forgot mine. I'm going to just step by out of the camera for a second. Thank you very much. All right, I'm back, and uh, <laughs> apologies for that. But uh, we're going to begin uh, with our worship then on page uh, two uh, uh, this morning for us. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Well, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let us then all confess our sins before God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. And the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ, was given to die for us and for his sake. God forgives us all our sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. May the Lord, who has begun this good work in us, bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue with our opening hymn, number 540, Christ, the Word of God incarnate.
Okay, we continue with our service now and our responsive reading on page four of your service folder. Today it's Psalm uh, chapter 22. Why have you forsaken me? Beginning at verse 23. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading this morning comes to us from uh, the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter 17, various verses on the promise of Isaac's birth. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations. And kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations from an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel text today is from Mark chapter 8, Jesus foretelling his death and resurrection. Beginning at verse 27. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. 
For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the gospel of the Lord. shouting crucify could have come from these lips of mine the dirty shame was killing me it would take a miracle to wash me clean then I ran the way lightning hit my veins my dead heart began to beat breath of God filled my lungs and the Holy Ghost awakened me yeah the Holy Ghost awakened me Started falling 
to our uh, worship uh, team, uh, whether it's Bill on the organ or Mary, Jonathan, and Mark uh, with the instruments. I know we're all eager to get back in the sanctuary and our full complement, even our uh, singers in choir and praise team. Uh, so the renovation is uh, going well, uh, except for having to wait on the city of Dallas uh, for permitting, but uh, we'll try to bring you a renovation update this week uh, with some pictures of the progress. Uh, it's uh, Great to be a part of it and excited for that. So, but today, uh, for our message, let's go ahead and turn to page six uh, in your worship folder, if you have that before you this morning. Um, we got uh, uh, the text there for us today, as well as some uh, things for thought and consideration for yourself uh, in the week ahead. But remember, we are using uh, this Return to the Lord at, uh, Advent a Lenten devotional uh, to guide our Lenten journey together. And the Sundays, uh, the messages on Sundays uh, are from uh, this as well, or at least based upon this loosely. So um, I hope you're taking time to, to uh, look into that this week for your own uh, journey of faith. But uh, if you would, bow your heads with me for a word of prayer, and let's go before the Lord um, and hear from him. Heavenly Father, grateful for some time uh, in your word today uh, from St. Paul and to continue to pray uh, in the richness of your word, uh, that as your spirit uh, works, it would open up our hearts and minds uh, to better understand your word and to apply it to our life of faith so that we might live it out uh, to your glory and for the good of others. Uh, so we pray, uh, speak to us, uh, Lord, and to help us to hear you uh, as you call us and form us and shape us as followers of Jesus. We love you and thank you for loving us and giving us this good gift uh, in your word. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, amen. All right, so grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, amen. It is, as I said, the second Sunday in Lent, and uh, we are looking at Lenten texts and themes to help with the idea that these texts and themes are preparing us uh, for the first Sunday in April. Why? Because the first Sunday in April is Easter. And hopefully you have one of these Lenten devotions, uh, as I said, because uh, I'm referring to it every week. And hopefully uh, you're joining us in those daily prayers, as those prayers are based on the readings of that day. So a journey is better with others, right? Uh, and so I hope you'll join me and one another. Anyway, today we are looking at Romans chapter 10, verses 4 through 13, which is found on your service folder on page 6. And it's this idea of this uh, of wrong righteousness, which in reality is no righteousness at all, right? Instead, what I would say is that wrong righteousness is a fear-based way of life, right? a demand for compliance or conformity. Right? If you don't do what I tell you, if you don't follow the rules, you will regret it. And we all know that that's not really a life, is it? It's not really a way to live. I mean, some of you are having flashbacks uh, to your childhood where you, where you grew up in an abusive household. 
where non-compliance brought uh, harsh and abusive words or, or physical abuse. Right? Or you're back at boot camp and the, and the DI is screaming in your ear, right? Trying to remove every bit of individuality out of you, forming you and shaping you uh, into an automaton, right? Demanding that conform, uh, 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 compliance uh, in conformity. Otherwise, there are consequences. Perhaps you've at one time worked with an unreasonable boss who, who made unreasonable demands of you. I mean, there's any number of situations uh, that come to mind, perhaps in our life, uh, where there was com uh, compliance and conformity uh, which was demanded of us. Otherwise, there were consequences. Now, typically, those tend to be outside the church, right, in more secular settings. But imagine then if it's inside the body of Christ, right? And there's this insidious lie that your salvation is predicated on compliance or conformity. Right? Your salvation was fear-based. There was this threat of damnation always hanging over you. Have I done enough? Am I good enough? What else do I need to do uh, to be found acceptable to God? It wasn't that the proper use of the law led you to grace, brothers and sisters. It was the improper law led you nowhere, a spiritual dead end, if you will. So think about it this way. Let's say uh, you're at home and you're streaming Netflix as your platform of choice, all right, uh, for your viewing, uh, your programming. Now, if you're into that, and perhaps you have multiple streaming apps that you use, you recognize that over the past year uh, that a number of streaming apps have introduced what they call the plus option. Uh, Disney Plus is an example. ESPN Plus is an example. And I know this past week, Paramount Plus uh, was introduced uh, into uh into our lives. Now, it's a subtle way, I think, for these providers to try and differentiate uh, themselves from past offerings and from uh, other platforms. Uh, but the idea that is if you don't subscribe to the plus, you don't have really anything. Now, whether or not there's any value in subscribing to a plus-based platform is another thing. But uh, my point is that a lot of people have a theology uh, which we would call Jesus plus. All right, Jesus plus. Yes, I believe Jesus died for me and forgives me, but, right, right? Yes, I believe Jesus died for me and forgives me, but, and then there comes an addition, right? An addition of some type of compliance uh, or conformity in order to secure that salvation. It's Jesus plus a life of good works, Good works not born out of salvation, right, as we're called to, to participate in good works born out of our salvation, uh, not good works to, to honor God and bless your neighbor, but good works that are believed to secure your salvation. So it's Jesus plus a life of good works. Or there are other ways that it crops up uh, into the church and in our own lives. It could be Jesus plus certain political beliefs, right? That, that person can't possibly be a Christian because they belong to this political party and believe that, right? Uh, we saw that uh, quite a bit uh, over the past uh, months uh, in the life of our nation uh, as people uh, made accusations about people's faith and salvation because they belong to one particular party or another, right? Uh, or it's Jesus plus a life of modesty, okay? Uh, if you don't wear your denim skirt and plaid shirt and live off the grid, 
right? Uh, you can't possibly be a Christ follower. Now I'm being silly there. Uh, but the list goes on and on um, from those who, who do or don't participate in youth group uh, uh, to, those, to those who do or don't uh, participate in mission trips, uh, to those who do or don't uh, tithe, uh, th- those types of things. But you see where this can go, all right? You see how this can be all of a sudden a who's in and a who's out, right? Who's saved, who's not? Not because of Jesus, but because of the plus, right? Did he or she have enough pluses, right, after their name? Like collecting likes on on social media, we sometimes think we have to collect pluses uh, in order to be saved or accepted by God. Uh, And in that way, if that's how uh, you enter into your life of faith, those pluses really are negatives. Because here's the challenge. The challenge for you and me, I think, is not to mistake the plus sign for the cross. All right? They look alike, right? But they're very different. One means addition, the plus sign, while one equals completed or finished, the cross. One requires we keep adding and adding so as to one day reach this right amount, whatever that right amount is, while one says the amount has already been reached without us doing anything. Think about it this way with your retirement accounts, right? One reason why we're always adding to them, or should be, is that we don't actually know what we'll need, right? Now, financial advisors and planners have models which they could use for our particular circumstances, and there's even no guarantee that we'll even reach retirement, and we can't control the circumstances surrounding it. But imagine if you were born, imagine if you were born knowing that you had what you needed and didn't need to add anything to it, right? That you came into this world with this sense of financial peace, right? So instead of having a scarcity mindset, right, you would not have that, you would have one of abundance. And that, that mindset of abundance, knowing that you had everything that you would ever need, financially speaking, because that's this illustration, uh, that then it would affect the way you spent, or the way you invested, or the way you gave money away. It would be a totally different approach if you knew you didn't have to think anything at all uh, about your finances. You see, a life of believing and following Jesus is not a life of plus, 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 right? It's not a life of addition and addition and addition. It's Jesus and Jesus alone, right? Jesus who is more than enough for you or for me. Jesus who is our peace, who is our provision, who is our abundance. We don't have to add anything to our lives, our persons, to make us more acceptable to God than we already are because of Christ. And that's Paul's point in this whole section of Scripture. So go ahead and look at the text uh, before you on page 6 of your service folder. And let me read it uh, for us and with what I have said in mind as you hear these words of the Apostle. He says this, beginning in verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. 
But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Go back to verse 4 of the text. Think about it this way. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Let's shorten that just a bit. Doesn't change the meaning. For Christ is the end of the law. Let's shorten it one more time. Doesn't change the meaning. For Christ is the end. No plus, 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 right? Nothing to add. For Christ is the end. Because it's through his death and resurrection he has terminated. He has finished. He has completed the ministry of the law, right? And the righteousness of the law is now being fulfilled in our lives by the very power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 8. Or as Romans 6 reminds us, we are now under grace. So brothers and sisters, we live under an equation that has been completed, solved, uh, and found to be correct because God has done the math for us. Think of it this way. In this section, Paul quotes uh, from the Old Testament to prove to his readers that they didn't even understand the law. All right. He uses Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, uh, which says that if you obey the law, you will live. That's that reference to Moses. And so they might argue before Paul, well, we do obey it. And Paul says, you obeyed it outwardly, but inwardly your heart was hardened. You weren't trusting in it. Uh, You were trusting in it plus your own subsequent actions and good works. You didn't have faith in it as it pertains to God's promises to you. Instead, you had faith in yourself uh, in what you would do. That's why the the inclusion of that text today from Genesis and and the story of Abram and and Sarai, for Abraham and Sarah, right? The reality of them being called to to believe the promises of God to them, uh, even in their old age. There's a New Testament reference in this that I'm thinking Paul possibly had in mind uh, when he wrote this section of Scripture to the Romans, and that comes from Matthew's Gospel Uh, chapter 23, and these are the words of Jesus where he says almost something uh, the same, uh, or again, what Paul would echo in his letter. Jesus says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. Verse 28, In the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So let's go back to Paul. Because Paul in this text that I shared with you earlier from Romans, uh, Paul in this text quotes Isaiah, all right, and the prophet Joel to make his point. Verse 9 of the text. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You see, humanly speaking, this is one of those things where we often make it harder on ourselves than it really has to be, right? 
Imagine that you wanted to, at the new year, improve your productivity, right, in your life, at work or at home, right? Your ability to keep track of everything you needed to do for yourself and your family or whomever, right? So you downloaded on your phone all these productivity apps, right? Helping, hoping that by making use of the productivity apps that, uh, that somehow you'd become more productive, but you realized over the past several months that you're now juggling more and more push notifications uh, and scheduling options uh, that all of a sudden you have found yourself overwhelmed uh, with the number of apps and options that you thought were going to help you f uh, stay organized. There are others, uh, examples, of course, perhaps you can uh, think of some for your own particular life where uh, things are made harder than they need to be. Those of you who are uh, or struggle with perfectionism uh, know this well. Um, but how about overpacking for a trip? right? Uh, taking more than you need. Or how about birthday parties for kids now? I remember when they used to be simple affairs, uh, but now they've become complex orchestrations uh, where uh, parents go to great lengths uh, to make sure Johnny and Susie uh, have uh, these exorbitant or extravagant parties even at young age. But whatever comes to mind in your life when you say to yourself, boy, I often make this harder than it needs to be, right? Um, the list goes on and on. But I would put it in this context as a pastor. What I often see is that people make uh, spirituality, people make theology, people make salvation uh, harder than it needs to be. Uh, they approach God as if they must earn his love as if they must somehow generate acceptance within them in order for him to love them. Have I done enough to be accepted by God at the pearly gates, right? When I encounter uh, St. Peter, right, the proverbial idea that Peter uh, is the doorkeeper, um, will the long list of my good works uh, get me in? Why make it harder on ourselves than it has to be, right? Is it because it sounds too easy, right, to, re to receive salvation as a gift? Does it sound too unbelievable for us to, to believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life? And that God sent his son into the world not to condemn it to, but to save it? Is that so hard and unbelievable? But we believe that the Father, through the work of the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit, brings us to this place of belief and acceptance, a place of peace and salvation. That it's not about adding to it or conforming to, to outward behaviors, all the while hiding the condition of our inward heart. But it really is this easy. And yet over the centuries, both evil and well-meaning Christians, people have added this plus sign to Jesus as if his death and resurrection were not enough to save us. But they are. Brothers and sisters, they are, right? They are enough, and that's why even in Lent we can continue to look forward to Easter, right? That as we head towards Jesus' death, we know there's also a resurrection on the other side, a resurrection waiting with it on the other end. So brothers and sisters, I would say this. 
The reality of it is that you and I, we have not and cannot do enough to save ourselves, all right? But that's okay. (laughs) But that's okay because that should bring us to a place of peace. That should bring us to a place of acceptance and confidence. Because knowing that we have not and cannot do enough to save ourselves, that reminds us and tells us and means for us that Jesus has. And because Jesus has, we truly, as the people of God, have much to be thankful and grateful for, even in Lent. So, we can't fulfill the law, but Christ does and Christ has. And because he will, or because he has, (laughs) we will and are saved in him. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we continue then with our confession of faith, brothers and sisters, found on page 7 of our service folder as well as prayers on behalf of God's people. Just certainly continue to encourage you in your life of prayer for uh, congregational uh, members, but also for the congregation in terms of our renovation process. As I mentioned briefly earlier, uh, it is uh, going well, uh, and we are excited at the progress that is being made. Uh, but we continue to wait on the city uh, in <laughs> finalizing those permits. And so uh, with the people of God in prayer, uh, perhaps moving a bureaucrats uh, <laughs> at City Hall uh, to expediency uh, so that we might uh, bring all this to completion as well. But uh, again, uh, thank you for your prayers. And again, also a reminder, if you have uh, a prayer request, uh, a new one or uh, ones recently, please make sure you keep us updated. Um, We don't know what we don't know, and we need your help uh, in keeping this prayer page current, whether it's those prayer requests or birthdays and anniversaries. So make sure you check that as well. Um, for yourself and family members. Okay, let's go before the Lord in our confession of faith. It's the words found in the Apostles' Creed. With Christians around the world and across the ages, we make this shared confession. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray then for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Would you bow your head with me, whether here or at home, as we go before the Lord? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you in prayer today, uh, for ourselves, for those whom we love, uh, Lord, for uh, coworkers and neighbors, uh, Lord, even the strangers before us. It's a privilege uh, to lift one another uh, to you in prayer and continue uh, to to continue a posture of expectancy, recognizing, Lord, that your will is being done uh, in our lives and in the world around us uh, for our good and your glory. And so in that uh, uh, vein and in that confidence, we come before you uh, with these prayer requests. We certainly continue to pray uh, for our own hearts and minds that by the very power of your Holy Spirit, you would give us a peace, a recognition, an acknowledgement of our salvation in Jesus that he has completed it, Uh, that we don't need to add anything, Lord, to our lives to be accepted to you. Oh, certainly, you do call us to a life of discipleship, 
You do call us to a way of, of action uh, and posture before the world that, that says, yes, we're followers of Jesus. You do call us to serve our neighbor. But we know that we do that service for others out of the salvation Jesus has won for us. But help us to believe that. Help us to receive that and rejoice in it. That we're secure in Him. And that your Spirit will continue to work in our lives to remind us of that security we have in Christ. And then that call on our lives to do good for others out of that security. So thank you for the gift of salvation. And may this Lenten season, even though we continue on the journey to the cross, may this Lenten season keep ever before us uh, the reality of the resurrection of our Savior Christ. Lord, uh, we bring before you this renovation process in our congregation. We thank you so much for this opportunity to steward well this facility that you've given to us. The decades that it's been entrusted to the, to the people here at Holy Cross and to this community. So we continue, uh, Lord, to pray for uh, your timeline in all of this. Those of us are anxious to get back in there, right, uh, as, a, as a congregation to see one another again. But we pray for your hand in this process. Move those who need to be moved, so to speak, especially at City Hall, uh, that this permitting process uh, might be expedited uh, so we can continue to finish up those last um, necessary things. Yet at the same time, help us to, to remain patient and, and recognize your hand at work um, in, this, in this space that's being recreated to welcome people for worship, to welcome people for other reasons such as summer camp and VBS and um, Lord, the weddings and funerals and those times when you will gather the church before you to receive those blessings that you provide in worship. Lord, we remember to you our brothers and sisters who are in need. We pray for Wanda. We pray for Tom. We pray for Charles and Tasha and Rose and Nancy and Craig and Joy and Melody and Pam. We pray for Obi and Mary and Chad and Paul and Tomas and Lynn and Sadie and Christy. We pray for Lucille and Carol and Earl and Seal and Chris and Bonnie. We pray for Jim and Bob and Russ and Marion and Ann. We pray for Lydia and Carol and Rhonda and Marie and Donna, Ruth, Cammy and Kim. We pray for Mary and Marge and Sandy. Lord, these are those, of course, just known to us, but Lord, the many prayers unknown. Make us aware of perhaps who we could pray for this week in our, our life of faith. But as we commend our brothers and sisters in Christ to you, you know we commend ourselves as well in our particular circumstances, asking, Lord, to know your joy through this journey of faith wherever we find ourselves. To know your peace, which surpasses all our understanding, and to know your wisdom and guidance so uh, that as your spirit leads, we might be doing those things which you call us to do as your people. And so we pray with thanksgiving for this opportunity to come before you in prayer. So whether our neighbor needs our help, whether the communities around us, schools, other nonprofits, Lord, call us to a place of service. Awaken in us, Lord, that desire from our salvation in Jesus to serve those around us. So we love you and we thank you. And we continue to commend to you, both spoken and unspoken today, these prayers that are on our hearts, trusting in your love, Lord, that they be answered in the name of Jesus for your glory and our good. We would ask nothing more. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We continue now with the service of the sacrament on page 8 of uh, your worship packet. We begin uh, with the preface, and this is setting four uh, from our Lutheran service book. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, also after supper, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. Take and eat the body of Christ given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. <coughs> Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And now may this eating and drinking the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and encourage you in one true faith and continually remind you of God's love for you. Go in this peace and go and the assurance of his salvation. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was, was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see.
'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour. Receive now his blessing. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. We close with three verses from hymn uh, 556. Dear Christians, one and all, rejoice. Rejoice.